Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Tuesday, October 19th. Happy Travel Tuesday, everyone. Coming up on the show, as we always do, we'll talk what's trending in the travel industry, including vaccine mandate news, issues in the airline industry, and more. Later in the show, I'll be joined by Julia Simpson, CEO of the World Travel and Tourism Council. She and I will discuss the current status of the global tourism and its path to recovery. A fantastic interview coming up later in the show you definitely want to stick around for. Before we dive into what's trending, a quick note about my recent travels over the weekend. I attended Apple Leisure Group's Ascend Conference in Cancun, Mexico. You can check out my recap story on Travel Pulse and my video as well. Uh, more stories to come later in this week and some videos. Uh, but over 400 travel advisors attended, and you could feel the energy and how excited everyone was to be back together in person. You know, virtual travel is great, and the you know Zoom is is great too. But you know, you can't replace connecting with someone in person and, and building on those relationships because relationships are are key. They're the foundation uh, of this industry, as executive vice president Jackie Mark said to me. ALG reported bookings were, were looking good. All the executives were speaking very positive about the merger with Hyatt. All the advisors I spoke with uh, were in good spirits about their business and moving forward. So the industry bounce back is on its way, folks. We're going to get there. Stay strong and keep climbing. Uh, that was also the message from the event's keynote speaker, Eric Weinmayer, uh, the first blind person to reach the summit of Mount Everest, an incredible speech that he gave. It left some of the audience members in tears. It was an emotional, moving speech. He spoke of people and how many are either quitters, campers, or climbers. It was a fitting message in a room full of travel advisors, none of whom are quitters, as they've all survived and powered through the pandemic. Uh, but the speech was right on the nose for what the industry needed, you know, you are, and what a lot of those advisors too, you know, are you camping and staying stagnant, or are you going to keep climbing and ascend to new heights? So, Wherever you're at in your business or, or your personal life too, you know, step forward, make sure you're pushing yourself forward, keep climbing, keep growing, keep learning. The industry definitely needs that. Now let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. We begin with the United States government announcing it would lift international travel restrictions on fully vaccinated foreign nationals arriving via land borders and commercial airlines effective November 8th. So finally, we have a date there. It's great. You know, we, we knew that First was November, but we didn't know when would it be early. Would it be mid? Would it be late? We didn't know. But now we know November 8th, we can push forward here and we can help grow the U.S. economy as more international travelers come over here. This is great news for the global tourism sector at large. Uh, uh, several destinations in the U.S. are definitely going to see a boost in tourism. But we'll talk more about world tourism and, and the global sector there uh, with our interview guests later on in the show. Moving over to airline news, Dr. Fauci doesn't see vaccine mandates for domestic flights, quote, in the near future. You know, a couple of weeks ago, this uh, this first popped up as he thinks he was came out and said that he thinks this should be done. And it caused kind of a whole uproar around a lot of advisors too, a lot of passionate people on um, where they stand on the vaccine mandates and whether they even where they stand on just the vaccine in general, obviously. But uh, Fauci went on to say that on the table is the issue of mandates for vaccine. It's always discussable. We always wind up discussing it. But right now, I don't see that immediately. Um, this, you know, being October, the middle of October here, immediately, you, you like that, you hear that, you wonder, what about for winter travel? Are we going to do, are we going to wait and see if there's some sort of additional variant or, or winter surge thing and then go from there? Maybe, but we don't really know. We, we haven't really known so much over this past, you know, 18, 19 months here. So we're just kind of taking it day by day. And I think that's what we got to go forward with. So, we, you know, I had a couple of, an episode a couple of weeks ago on uh, more thoughts on this whole vaccine mandate for domestic flights and everything. So it doesn't look like it's going to happen uh, anytime soon. Uh, where you stand on that, you know, you can drop me a line and 
happy to talk more about that or just check out the podcast episode from a few weeks ago on should there be a vaccine mandate for domestic flights. So elsewhere in the aviation sector, Southwest Airlines had a rough week last week, uh, a lot of cancellations and delays, a lot of upset customers, but now they're trying to make amends uh, with their uh, customers and, and starting their redemption. So uh, they are issuing vouchers in the range of $100 to $250 to passengers who were impacted by these problems, what they claimed were weather and technology issues. The vouchers are for future travel um, in addition to refunds uh, for the canceled flights. So that's great news. You got to make amends. You got to you got to show your customers, your the passengers that you care about about their business and you can try to, you know, push that in the past and move forward. Uh, but you know, the news cycle is always going and Southwest is still remaining in the news for a different thing. Now, as on Monday, uh, a lot of people came out and protested the company's employee vaccination mandate. So the woes continue there. Um, both Southwest and American airlines are in a difficult position here as the Texas governor has barred vaccine mandates by employers in the state. Both airlines have defied that order, instead saying that the President Biden's federal order supersedes the state order. Uh, Biden has set a December 8th deadline for any company that also serves a federal contractor to vaccinate their employees. So this is a story that's not going to go away for a bit here. Obviously, we have until that December 8th deadline to see what's going to happen. People are going to be pushing back continuously for this. Uh, you can just check out different Facebook comments on any story we really post around vaccine stuff. People are definitely passionate about this. So what is going to happen you know have to just gonna to have to wait and, and see and how this plays out but uh the american airlines and southwest airlines are are, are staunch in their position and um defying that that governor order there and and focusing forward on mandating that their employees be vaccinated so what are your thoughts on this you can drop me an email podcast at travelpulse.com speaking of american airlines though their president rejected the pilots union request to amend the company mandate that all employees must be vaccinated against the covid 19 virus the pilots union was trying to make it be a weekly testing for those who didn't want this shot uh, he also then went on to criticize the cruise industry a retaliation of sorts if you will after several cruise executives have been out there uh, in the past weeks months um, saying that taking a cruise is safer than flying so listeners out there, what do you think? Drop me a line, podcast at travelpulse.com. Love to get your thoughts on that. You know, with with the stringent government requirements and rigorous health and safety protocols out there, I, I know that cruising is safe. I've been on an ocean cruise. I've been on a river cruise um, in the last few months here, and I know it's safe to get there. But the American Airlines president was right. He, he went on and, and said that, you know, uh, you have to fly to get down to your cruise. I mean, that's not the case for everybody. Obviously, a lot of people in Florida and Texas, you know, can just drive there um, in, in neighboring states too, if they choose to. But, you know, you, you do have to fly out there. So a lot of people have to do so. But, you know, there's a lot more factors in going to the airport and the plane. So yes, the actual being on the plane and flying itself, definitely safe. But so is being on a cruise ship. Why are we got to go back and forth against each other and criticize each other? And obviously, you know, we're all trying, you know, everyone's trying to get their business going and stuff. But can't we just come together? And let's be one, let's grow this industry back to where it was in the good times. Like, we don't need to be doing that stuff, man. All right. So speaking of the cruise industry, though, a new study found that travelers are ready to get back out there and the sea. The U.S. News and World Report data uh, found that travelers are, are ready to get cruising again. And that's great for the industry. So use that information as you, as you can and, and showcase that, hey, people want to get out there and cruise again. And here's some deals that we can do. So I'm looking forward to seeing what cruise line deals are going to be going forward. Um, especially as we get approach wave season two. So uh, the survey also found that more than 80% of past cruisers say vaccine requirements are important, while just 9% are against the vaccine policies. 
with those, you know, mandates in place that passengers have to be vaccinated, it is definitely causing less cruisers to go out there and do. And a lot of people, uh, passionate cruisers too, are, are, are saying, you know what, I'm not cruising again until that stuff is done. And, and that's their choice. They can do that. But there are so many other people who are out there and they're getting back out and cruising and they're having a great time. There's less people on board, uh, a bit more people on board now here in October than there were back in July. But we knew that was going to be happening, that they're going to slowly and surely get back to that 100% capacity. When they hit the 100% mark uh, remains to be seen. I don't, I don't see that happening until sometime in 2022, excuse me, but you know, we're going to get there, folks. Keep, keep building that positivity train. All right, folks. I, I, I'm, I'm big on that. You know, I think the industry really needs that. We need to come together and we need to, to build each other up and, in all sectors. So because safety is key right now. That is what a lot of people, um, it's on a lot of people's mind. We see it too. And in all the stories that we do. So we, we did a post this past week based on some travel insurance data, uh, the top 10 countries Americans feel safest about visiting. And the number one uh, was a was a bit of a surprise to me. I'm not going to lie. It, it's not a country that's been talked a whole lot about um, throughout this pandemic here. But Austria came in at number one. So that's great. Croatia came in at number two, which uh, did not surprise me at all. A lot of people have been buzzing about that destination. I think it's a place that's going to continue to rise up. And, and good for Austria. I hope they can capitalize on this and and, and use that as, as momentum to say, hey, come visit us and, you know, forget your, you know, Germany's and your Italy's and your France's and all that. Come visit us in Europe, you know? So if you've been, let me know how, what, what your thoughts are. I, w- I would love to to visit it someday. So podcast at travelpulse.com uh, is how you can reach out to me. And you can check out the rest of that top 10 over on travelpulse.com. Check it on the editor's picks. So even though tourism is booming in Mexico, Mexico, uh, particularly Cancun for sure, uh, Mexico did not make that top 10 list of where Americans feel safest about visiting but so many Americans are still going to Mexico. So I don't think Mexico minds not making that list. Uh, they are raking in uh, dollars there. And that's all, I mean, you could dr- we drove past downtown, downtown Cancun this past weekend on the shuttle bus. Um, I stayed at Dreams Vista Cancun, which is, it's not right in the hotel zone, but um, it's a fan- fantastic new property. Definitely recommend checking that out, especially if you love all-inclusives and fantastic pool and an amazing rooftop pool. You can see Isla Mujeres there. Uh, awesome stuff, but Mexico still booming, still doing well. And they're going to, I think they're going to stay that way. So that pretty much wraps up what we've got here for uh, what was trending in travel in the last week. Any additional thoughts, drop me an email over a podcast at travelpulse.com. Let's get to our interview now, shall we? And now joining me on the podcast is Julia Simpson, CEO of the World Travel and Tourism Council. Julia, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Eric. It's lovely to be here today. Wonderful. Yeah, you are now the new uh, WTTC CEO, certainly an intriguing time to take over as CEO. So uh, where were you when you found out the big news? It's exciting news. And uh, and how has that transition been for you? Uh, well, Eric, honestly, it's just um, the best time to be joining a global travel and tourism organization. Our industry, as you know, has been turned completely upside down. Um, and we'll come on to talk about it, but I'm hoping we're beginning to see some light at the end of the tunnel. So... Uh, there are a lot of jobs out there riding on this, a lot of hopes and dreams. So it's 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 a challenging but a very a real privileged time to join. 
Yeah, it is exciting times in the industry. The the industry bounce back is is on its way. You know, we're past the the terrible times of, of twenty twenty, but we're 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 still not there yet. We're getting going. I mean, I was at the um the global summit, WTTC's global summit in April in Cancun, and just to see how Cancun was then versus this past weekend. I was in Cancun. Cancun is definitely thriving a bit more. So you know where where things were in April is definitely different from now. So so where do you think we're at now with how much the pandemic has impacted world tourism, and and what do you think is the world's path to recovery? Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a great question, and it's a question that every uh, leader uh, who runs a hotel or runs an airline or an airport or a cruise liner is asking themselves right now, you know, what is happening? Um, at the World Travel and Tourism Council, we have some very good and unique research that we do with Oxford Economics, and it helps us track um, the value of travel and tourism and, and what's been happening. So basically, um, in 2019, one in four new jobs that were created globally were being taken up in the world of travel and tourism. And as a GD, in terms of GDP, travel and tourism GDP was growing faster than global GDP. So we had a very, very healthy sector. Um, we've seen in 2020 with the impact of the pandemic, we lost about 50% of the value of travel and tourism globally. So very roughly, the numbers were Globally, our industry was worth about $10 trillion, and it got cut a bit more than in half. It kept, went down to about $49 billion. And with that, we lost 62 million jobs worldwide. So that was a picture in 2020. I know it's absolutely shocking. And um, I've been in my job now for about eight weeks, and I've said that one of my my determinations, if you like, is to ensure that we can restore every single one of those 62 million jobs and hopefully um, exceed it. So where are we? Well, the latest data that WTTC has published with Oxford Economics show that globally, travel and tourism has regained about 30% this year on 2020. So that's quite a poor base, uh, but it is beginning to come back. A lot of that comeback, if you like, has been through domestic travel. We've seen this in the US. We've seen it in large parts of Europe. But as economies and governments start looking upwards and outwards again, we're going to see the restoration of international travel. Um, which I'm delighted about. And it is obviously amazing that the US is going to be opening up to the UK and the EU and other parts of the world on the 8th of November. I really think it's going to kickstart things. So the numbers that we're looking at now is by the end of 2022, if governments are able to harmonise uh, some of the rules and regulations and red tape and testing and vaccine certificates, if some of this can be slightly more regularised, because as we know, every country does things slightly differently, right. uh, then there could be a real upside. And by the end of 2022, we will have regained a lot of ground that we have lost. That's great. Yeah. With the U.S., you know, opening up November 8th there, are, do you think there are specific U.S. destinations that might see a bigger boom in tourism initially? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, all the, you know, the all the great cities initially, 
LA, uh, New York, but I also think tourist destinations like Las Vegas, you know, we're going to see people traveling. There's definitely pent up demand. Um, all the people I talk to in the aviation sector say, you know, bookings, I saw some numbers from BA recently, you know, bookings were sort of like at 140%. So, you know, bookings are going up, um, which I'm delighted to see. I think I think it will come across quite, but quite evenly. Obviously, there's always capacity with the number of planes that are available, but it's a very, very agile sector, the aviation sector. So I, I think it's good, good, good times are coming. I agree. Yeah, obviously the big city, the, the big travel hubs where your international airlines are going to be dropping in or are going to see that influx of travelers. And I think Orlando might be as well. The, the theme park capital of the world always uh, draws in a lot of people. Um, I, Orlando I, is amazing. It's the most amazing place. And I think it most definitely will. Florida is definitely going to benefit. Absolutely. And yeah. you've got to remember that Europe's going into a miserable winter and, you know, uh, we're, we're going to be uh, the Europeans, cold Europeans are going to be looking for sunnier climes. So, yes, most definitely Miami, very important as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, getting over to um, the Caribbean and then Mexico has obviously just been um, it seems like they never I won't say never fall, fell off, but they've been rebounding f- faster than than uh, several other places, too. Yes. So um, a year from now, you know, where do you hope things might be? I, I hear a lot from U.S. travelers. I was just with um, several of them and interviewed them over the past weekend at the ALG uh, Vacations Conference. Uh, and everyone was talking about 2022 bookings are looking good and a lot of positivity around there. But, but on a global scale, what seems realistic for, for 2022 travel and tourism? Yeah, you know, I think that is very important, Eric, to look at it globally, because there are still vast parts of the globe that are effectively closed. I mean, Australia obviously has announced that it is going to start changing its policy on travel. Um, But, you know, if you look at China, Japan, Asia Pacific, the whole Asia Pac area is, if you like, in a slightly different timescale to other parts of the world. So we do have to remember that because that impacts on on the global numbers. So I think, you know, our estimates by 2022 are that things will have come back, but not as probably not quite as much as 2019, uh, but things will be back. And I think it's different sectors. You know, I think that I do believe business travel will come back. I think there's a real need for uh, business travellers to travel and meet. There's a massive need for families to reunite. So many of us have seen these Uh, desperately happy stories where people have not been able to see each other for many years, families parted around the globe, finally being able to reunite. And I think we've always said leisure will lead the way, but I I am a believer that business will come back as well. Yeah, the the industry definitely needs that on the the business side too, in in addition. So how we travel is certainly going to be shaping up different as we continue to move forward. Uh, so do you think there, what new travel trends uh, do you think are emerging or, or will emerge uh, post pandemic here? You know, how, how have these last several months shaped what the future of tourism might look like? Yes, well, we're certainly seeing that people are craving the great outdoors and one can completely understand that because if you have had to be in various lockdowns and if you're living in a big city, you know, the idea to get out in space. So I think that's slightly sort of slightly more adventurous off the beaten track um, travel um, is going to make a, um, you know, there'll be be a a lot more demand for that. I think also people who stay domestically and discover parts of their own nation states that they've never seen before. I think you're going to see um, 
you know, that sort of slightly bigger picture of what, you know, what is the UK? It's not just sort of London um, and Edinburgh or, you know, or, or, or Northern Ireland or Wales. It, there are lots of other places. And I think you're going to get that with the US. I think you're going to get it everywhere. So I think that desire to go off the beaten track. Um, certainly people are talking about pleasure is not a term I particularly like, but, uh, you know, it, it, it is understandable. Lots of people now work remotely. And if they can spend some of their months working in a, in a different place, maybe working out of an Airbnb. So I think we're going to see some slightly different modal shifts in how accommodation is being used. Um, but let, let's wait and see. Um, I think you remember when Zoom first started, and I'm a great fan of Zoom, so we're doing this interview on Zoom today. It's wonderful. You know, it has enriched our lives. But I think by the time I got onto my 10th, you know, birthday party on Zoom, I really, really had had enough. So <laughs> there are some occasions where only being in person will do. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how much hybrid um, entertainment uh, carries on. I think people have a have a desire to get together, and I also believe business requires face to face um, uh, deals as well. It's okay maybe if you're working with a team that you've known for a long time, but if you want to recruit new people, you want to develop new people in a in a corporation's culture. If you want to do big multi dollar deals, these sort of activities you need human uh, interface. I think for that. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I just spent the last weekend in Cancun at the at the conf uh, ALGV uh, conference there. And it was interesting talking to, to some of the um, uh, new uh, different hoteliers and suppliers and stuff and, and people who work for ALG. They mentioned that a couple of them were hired via Zoom and they just met their boss for the first time face to face in person. So, yeah, it's it's certainly, you know, the, you can't. Um, replace that in person you know virtual is, is good and everything and and i thought you know wttc did a great job with the virtual components of the global summit you know in in april and everything but being there in person definitely made a huge difference and and it's going to keep um we we need that in, in the industry for sure Definitely. And when we uh, did our global summit, a hybrid, as you quite rightly said, Eric, it, it was actually the first global conference anywhere in the world. Um, it was and the buzz in the room, the buzz, the, the, the delight of people being able to get back together again. I went to a theatre performance recently here in London. And again, people were just so joyous to be able to be sitting all together and watching the theatre. So I, I'm a great believer that, uh, you know, a lot of our travel and tourist business is going to come come back. It used to be growing faster than global GDP. Let's see how long it takes to get to that position again, but it, but it will come back. And um, the other area we've argued is for um, vaccine equity, because we do, you know, one of the things we're saying is we want governments, if people are double vaxxed, just to let people travel as freely as possible and reduce the number of the tests that we have to do. Um, I have called it the wild west of testing uh, because some of the charges that people are being charged for PCR tests and even lateral flow tests, although obviously we do the antigen test is the one that we vastly prefer. And my view is if governments 
really need to do genome sequencing using PCR tests. And that's probably something that they should fund and do. But, to, you know, force everyone in the UK to have PCR tests when they're only using four to five percent of it for scientific genomic sequencing. That is not an appropriate cost to put on a family of four. It's just not appropriate. Um, so there needs to be a bit of regulation in the, in that arena as well. But if we can um, get people to harmonise. But what I was saying about um, vaccine equity is there are some people saying it could take up to five years to get the globe vaccinated. That is too long. And we're working with COVAX, which, as you know, is a branch of the UN, to tr try and bring um, vaccine equity around. So there will still always be the need for people that have not been able to get a vaccine for various reasons reasons for us to have alternative testing simple testing methods to make sure that those people can travel as well absolutely yeah, i agree we've been saying you know vaccines are the key to the return of travel and and we saw that here uh, domestically in the u.s as there was a big travel boom as soon as people were vaccinated and felt safe to get out so as soon as we can get that more on a global scale then you know the global travel and tourism world is going to definitely benefit from that so um yeah, so you mentioned you know, the Global Summit. I just quickly want to ask you, you know, we had the, the, the Global Summit in April. Next up is uh, the Philippines. So you had over 600 participants in more than 70 countries. It was like 30,000 people uh, connected virtually. But obviously, you know, we hope that the next one will be fully live. But uh, do you think there might be a virtual component in that as well, since you, you had success with that in the, in the last one? Or is it too yeah, far away? Yeah, you know. I think you're absolutely right. Obviously, we'd love to increase the number of people that are attending in person. Um, we are going to be holding it in the Philippines. The Philippines is the most incredibly beautiful country. And I think, you know, you need the real footfall. You need people to sort of see that. Having said that, I'm sure there will be an element of hybrid so that we can maximize the partition participation of everybody in the odd case where people can't actually attend. Definitely. And, and when is that date again for 2022? I mean, it's going to be in the middle of March. Middle of March. Wonderful. And we're going to be announcing the final date shortly, uh, probably at the World Travel Market in London. Awesome. Yeah, that's not too far from now. So it's a, it's crazy that we're in, you know, middle of October here. 2021 <laughs> seems like it is flying by. So, I know. Um, uh, yeah, just quickly, I need to I need to ask so much is going on and merger wise in the industry. It just came from that conference where ALG and Hyatt um, have, have merged and um discussed a little bit with executives about that. I'll have a story on Travel Pulse later this week. So with some of their thoughts, so I want to get your thoughts on the most recent mergers in the industry as a lot have been happening and, and their impacts. And do you think more might be coming? You know, I think you have to look at this uh, in in the through two different lenses. First of all, there are some industries, for example, the aviation sector, uh, where you will get um, M&A activity um, and some consolidation, which has been, if you like, a longer term goal of an industry that has probably ended up having almost too many um, airlines if you compare it to, say, you know, a tech industry or you compare it to pharma. So some of it is an ongoing um, trajectory of um, consolidation. And that's actually probably good for the consumer and it's probably good for the industry. And then the other lens we need to look at it through is the global pandemic, uh, because clearly some areas had furlough and government supports, others didn't. So you did see some companies going into distress and there have been out of the global pandemic. I think you have seen some um, mergers and acquisitions as well, which I think, you know, takes place commonly when you have a downturn caused by whatever it could be caused by. So I think it will be interesting to see if this 
the way you've described it to me is just because of the global uh, because of the global downturn caused by the pandemic, or if this is a general trend that is happening across our across the hotel sector, it will be interesting to watch and see that watch and see that space. Definitely, yeah, I'm intrigued by it, and and we'll see, you know, if there's any final closing announcements before the end of the year happens. Um, winter travels is obviously, you know, going to hopefully be busier than uh, many. Uh, might have expected it and obviously busier than definitely busier than last year. Uh, but yeah, it will be intriguing to see what the future holds on the, on the merger and acquisition sides of the travel industry. So um, yeah. yeah, just wrapping up here, last thing I want to ask you in, in, in closing for you, any advice to our listeners of travel advisors, regular travelers and suppliers out there that you would like to, to pass on? Well, one thing I would say is I have had the fortune to be able to travel a bit. The standards of hygiene and care for the customer are extremely high. So I would encourage everybody to buy tickets and get out there and have a long, well-deserved holiday because we all need it after this. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Julia, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, real pleasure, Eric. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Julia for joining me on the show today. I had a fantastic time talking all things travel and the global tourism sector there. Big things are coming. We're going to get through this, folks. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great week.